Welcome to Breaking Bread. My name is Sabrina and I am the creator and the host. I am looking forward to having dinner with you and that is the essence of what Breaking Bread is about. It is about the art of conversation, about the exchange that we can have, things that are breaking the internet, breaking culture, and in some cases, breaking society. I will be joined by five guests, all strangers. They don't know the topics, but what we are doing is creating the organic conversation. Now, it will be unfiltered. All views around the table are welcome. And so let me say, trigger warning, there may be some topics that we address, positions that people have that may be triggering for you. So viewer discretion is advised. Now with that, grab your food, your drink, and join us around the table as we break bread. So I wanna come back um, and just check because, or ask and, and put this out there because I, I'm hearing a lot around values or values alignment at the table. Is it realistic to believe that your leaders are going to be the companies that you work for will be values aligned with you? Is that a, a realistic assessment? Yes or no? Yes no. or no? Is that realistic, Joe? Yes for me. Chris? Can you repeat the question for me, Sabrina? Is it a real realistic assessment that a company and companies that as they exist today, not where we know we'd like them to be, but as they exist today, that they are going to be values aligned no. with you? No. Anu? No, and I don't want them to be. Larry? No. Alicia? It's not realistic, no. You said yes, Joe. Yeah. I love what the scent on my table. <laughs> so so why why yes? I guess because of because of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Um for me it's I guess I can say I would like to work for a company where it can be values aligned because <coughs> um, it's integral to the work. Mm -hmm. So I'm a therapist, I'm in a helping profession. If I've had to leave organisations when my values aren't aligned because it actually causes moral injury. Okay. So for me, it is realistic because you can choose to be in an environment in that context. If you are, you know, not in necessarily every context, because I'm also thinking you're saying really, you know, does capitalism align with all your other... I think that's what you're asking, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's a different question for me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not no. asking, I would ask. No, yeah. that's, that's not what I'm but asking, so, it's more about so the common values, yeah. In what I do, I think if you're not, if you're not aligned, it's actually really nigh on impossible to do the work, or it is for me. Hmm. Larry, you said no. Yeah, I did. I think that, firstly, when you join a firm, you may not even know what the values of your leaders are yeah. until you've worked in the firm until you've assimilated into that culture. Sometimes that leader hasn't even set the culture. They've come in from somewhere else and they're trying to shift the culture. So values move in an organisation and therefore the leader's values will take time to impact upon that organisation. And you might then go after two or three years. You know, what, what I'm hearing and seeing from my leaders is so at variance with what I'm, I believe in that I can't stay here, and that's a choice you can then make. Assuming that your leader's values will always align with yours, I, I just can't see that being real-world situation. I think when you're talking perhaps about smaller organisations, you can have a, you need to have a much more values-based decision-making process. Because if you're working with only a small group of four or five people, and your values are so disaligned that you're always going to be having an issue. 
then that will probably damage the business and be hard work for you as a person. But if I was, my last large company had 20,000 people in it. So the values of the leader in that 20,000 person organisation, it takes a long time for those values to shift anything in a business that large. It can do, and then you reach a point where you decide whether it's still for you or not. So that's, that's why I went with, went with that. I also think my own personal experience. So I've worked with somebody who was um, very atheist. I'm not. My faith is very important to me. Um, and where they express views sometimes where I thought this person's value set is nowhere near mine. But actually, apart from one or two areas of values, there was a lot of good in there too. So if you make binary decisions about whether someone's value set fits or doesn't fit, you can actually miss the good that's in that person that isn't maybe to do with that particular piece of misalignment in, um, in, uh, in, in that particular case, where I would have felt very uncomfortable around the dinner table talking about religion with that person, because I knew how strongly, not just they were atheists, but secondly, what they thought of people who were religious. So, but it didn't stop me working there, and would never have stopped me working there, because you change from within an organisation, and you hope you can influence people yourself, don't you? So that's why I went with, um, went with my particular answer to your very good question. <laughs> <laughs> and Annie, you said, no, and I don't want it to be. <laughs> so, no, I don't want to be, because when we assume that someone who doesn't have exactly the same value as us is opposite of us, is the one, we have to decide then that whether it's you who's right or it's me it's right. I don't think there is a binary there. There is a room and a space for all values to exist. I definitely don't think if you are not paying your taxes, excuse me, or you are cheating the government, or you are not hiring women because you hate mm. women, I think that's a crime, that's not a value. I think values are when you are an atheist, or you believe that religions should not mix, or my religion is better than your religion, or I believe in environment over everything else. I think it's absolutely okay to be not aligned with your leader's values. Because I don't, A, I don't want to be a puppet of my business or my leader. I want to bring my values to the business and help my business assimilate some of those values and grow. I work in culture and engagement. And one of the things that I've seen is values are never static. Values change, values grow, values evolve. And they should rightfully do so. I rather we have a debate about our values. I rather, if you were an atheist, for example, Larry, you and I have a debate, and I would absolutely bring it up on the dinner table as long as we do it with mutual respect. And I'm definitely not including, you know, tax frauds and mm. wife beating under values. Mm. We would hope not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all agreed on on, on that, mm. Chris. So, <clears throat> I think I'm Lord of the pessimists here. Um, <laughs> I, I may not look it, I hope I don't. I'm 41, so I have seen things. You have I've fantastic skin. <laughs> I'm fresh out of Jamaica, I just came back. Come through melanin, Ooh. okay? Come through <laughs> sun man. and melanin. Come on. Yeah, thanks. So, I've worked in, in a marketing capacity and I've worked in the creative industries. I've literally had to write press releases and websites 
for companies and leaders who say, I have these values, when I factually know you don't. Mm. Mm. I've written it. Put those words in your mouth. I've worked in companies where I was the only black man on the team, and when I expressed how I felt as a result, I was put on a performance review. I've worked in those companies, yet I was told to write a website, piece of website content that we are diverse and we celebrate different views and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So is it realistic to expect leaders and companies to reflect your values? I don't think it's realistic because at the end of the day, people are people. And like mm. you said, Larry, you know, um, values are, they shift. People's values shift. I, I know someone very close to me right now who worked at a charity, an empowerment charity. We uplift people and this person, their whole team has now left. But we uplift people though. It's on the website. Um, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I don't believe none. I'm sorry. Listen, I don't, okay, I, the qualification is the website. Yeah. <laughs> As I the leaders, and it's I, the website. And I know people who don't actively reflect their values. My thing is this, is I can work with people who, who don't have the same values as me, but it's when your values are directly in conflict or put my life mm. at da in danger. Like, this is not cornflakes and rice krispies, you know, we can disagree yeah. on that. That's not a problem, right? That's fine. But if you're going to come to the office and say, you know what, see George Floyd, he deserved it, you know, okay, Houston, we have a problem here. Yeah. Right? That goes against my values. And that's why I think there's a few that are non-negotiable. <coughs> and that's, I like that term, non-negotiable values. I, I'm, I'm not shifting on that. But if we're talking about, I don't know, Nike versus Adidas, that's not a big deal. That's not a value, though. That's, yeah. that's a perspective. But some people, it's values. Mm. To some people, it's values. Some people, I've worked with people, if you don't agree, like, it could be something as trivial as that. Mm. It's not, not trivial value. for sneaker culture. That's a good point. But not for me, but like, no, there is a entire culture they will come around trainers and they will come for you and it is a value for them it, it is like no everyone's value, every, what cheese in a brand everyone's value yeah. system is different i've yeah. interviewed people part of my um, my interview process i ask people what is your moral compass what's your code what are your values at interview i mean i grew up watching the wire so i love omar he's got a moral code i ask people what is your moral code what's your values before we start working together but i think i've become a bit jaded over the years Whereas I believed when people said we are this and we stand for this and I really believed them. And I bought in and then I've come to realise I'm like, okay, at the end of the day it's business. This is a bottom line. Money is money is the value at the end of the day. So no, it's I, it's not realistic mm. at all. I think that, that's very good insight, Chris. I think the my experience has been there are people who are great to work with and leaders who are great to work for is where their at work values and their at home values are the same. Yeah. But there mm. are people who come to work and they are almost put on a new coat. Mm. And these are the values I wear at work. Mm. And these are the values I wear at home. And I will say things at work that I would never say with my, work, with my family and my um, personal friendship group. But the people who are great to work for, and the authentic ones, somebody yeah. used the authentic word earlier, are where there is no difference mm -hmm. in the values you see and hear and feel when you're with them in work and that you see and feel and hear when you meet them outside work. Mm. As I got, I'm a lot older than anybody around this table. <laughs> As I got older... And you look good. good. Well, <laughs> thank you, I was waiting for that. I, 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 I threw the compliment out to Chris and I, did, I got nothing really back. I just gave it back. I was in awe of your voice and your delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I delayed my response. I'll I'm accept sorry. that. Ladies, so, yeah. you a far game um, here. 
And that, that's, for me, that's the, uh, the trust bit. We haven't talked about trust in relation to values, but I, mm. as I got older, I got a little bit better mm. at spotting mm. where there was misalignment of people's values in and outside work. Everyone's yeah. hooked in on LinkedIn and yeah. Facebook, and you can see stuff and hear stuff. Uh, I, I trust people more when I know that the person I'm talking to in the office will be the same person that I, if I see them in the supermarket. Uh, again, again, are going to be the same. I'm going to adjust my position because this person is going to be different with me. So uh, that authenticity thing, for me, values, at home, at work values, tells me a lot about how authentic someone's prepared to be at work. Mm. Can I add something that's in camera? I just want to make sure, because Alicia hasn't okay. have a, have a, had a chance yet to chime in. So okay. um, Alicia, go ahead. So similar to what you mentioned, Chris, about um, it's not realistic. I think it's clear to say that I'm sure we've all worked in companies where they say one thing, even in the interview, even when they're working with you, but then what actually materialises and what you feel is completely different. What I do think is that it's really d it's difficult for... I personally can't work with a leader when you show me your values and it always seeps through. It will always seep through into the work. So even though they may say, um, for example, I remember working with a company, actually, I'll be, I'll be practical, where the CEO, one of my, my first week, people were going like left, right and centre in this company. And he mentioned, look, if you don't fall in line with how we are, then you're out, basically. And that's just how it is. Like, and I was thinking, mm, energy's a bit weird, a bit, a, bit, a bit wild, but it doesn't affect me because they're gone, I still have a job. It's affected me. Mm -hmm. It started to affect me because he then come and came up to me at lunchtime and said, you can't sit with your black colleagues. He then, so he then, it then seeped in through the leadership and how they decided to make decisions on how, who was promoted and who got, you know, pay rises and who got paid less and whatever. It started to affect me, inevitably. So I think that it's not sustainable to work with leaders that you don't align their values because you will suffer 100% at some point, so it's not worth your time. But I think what companies show you initially, they, they never show you, like, the individuals never show you who they truly are and what their values are. But I do think over time, so for example, the company that I work with now, um, I feel like our values are aligned with the leadership. But I feel like since meeting them and since us having conversation and dialogue and me sharing experiences, their values have developed. And they now have a greater understanding of the black woman experience. And now they know how to be a bit more considerate with how they deal with black women. And since then, they've managed to hire more black women. So I think their values have adapted because they just didn't know some of the things that I shared. So I think it's important that even if you step into an organisation and the leaders may not have the values that, that you think that they should have, um, it might just be conversations, experiences. That's where you then see what are their core values underneath that? Are they willing to then make adjustments and willing to learn and adjust the style of leadership based on the things that you've shared with them? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, one second, Chris. I just wanted to share an anecdote from two weeks ago. At a work event, we had Dr. Makawizi Mandela. Mm -hmm. She's President Mandela's daughter. And she said her advice to CEOs is that when they talk about diversity and inclusion, they should have their wife in the room. Because the minute oh. they go home, mm. she's going to trash you in 30 seconds if you say something wrong. He's like, he then cannot take the risk of saying something he cannot mean. I thought that was very wise. That's if the wife and he are co-sign <laughs> on the same values, because people, <laughs> sometimes people marry their, uh, <laughs> their, their twin. True. Chris? I know I said I was Lord of the Pessimist, but I also want to end my contribution to this 
part of the conversation with a hint of optimism. Oh, you don't need to. Yeah. Like, you don't need to. You, know, <laughs> you just, don't need to feel inclined. I know There's no I, judgment, Chris. I know <laughs> I said, you know, I don't believe people, but I'm fortunate enough to work with, and I'm going to say it, I work with Sabrina, and I work with uh, a black audio, a black-owned audio company, and their values match up. Their values are in, align, in alignment with mine, and they also challenge me in a positive way. So I work for a company um, called Unedited. When my wife was ill, they would pick up the phone and say, we're just checking in. See, <coughs> do you need anything? Oh, you need to go? Don't worry about it. We've got it. It's what, uh, what interests you? Or you know what, Chris? Bring your, you know, what, how are you feeling? Tell us. And it's never been a pushback or a punishment or it's just like, listen, you're here because you do this and we want you here. So for the first time in my life, I'm at a company where my, my values uh, are aligned with the company I work for. And I know it's rare, but to anyone who's listening to this, it's definitely out there and it, it, can, it can happen for you. Yeah. And sure. that's what I was thinking, but it's possible. It's I didn't possible. say it's everywhere, but it's definitely possible and it's desirable and we should be voting with our feet Absolutely. and working for the companies like yours. And I vote with my feet. Yeah. I know not everyone else has the, not everyone has the affordance and opportunity to do that. I appreciate that. But if we can vote with our feet, we should. Yeah. But I, f I feel like sorry, Sabrina. I need to go. go <laughs> um, I feel like it's actually close to impossible with massive organisations. That's International, true. multinational. Great yes, yeah. Great you did talk about size, and I think that's a very fair point. Yeah, there's so many layers and so many personalities and experiences and yeah. views. Like it's really, really difficult. Hence that's why I, I love an SME personally. So my, my the company I work with now is like maybe 40 people. I like it like that. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like yeah. It's, it's nice and small. You, you know, I everyone. All in you in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Like I was really going on. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when it's a, I've worked in bigger organisations before and the anxiety levels, mm. because I, I just don't know what this code means or this person, I just don't know anything. I'm just like, you know, no, let's keep it small so we can just be transparent, have real conversations, build real relationships and work together. I want to pick up on your transparency point and come back to the conversation we were having about expressing views. One of the things that we tend to, I tend to hear a lot uh, in discourse around political views, stances, etc., is... This is too complex. So we're talking about Israel and Palestine. It's too complex. And when people try to engage, it's like, do I need to be informed? What do I need to know? I can't say anything, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess the question I have around transparency, around complexity, around statements and values, do you need to be an expert to engage in conflicts and issues that is affecting all of us as global citizens? So you can think about what the comments people have made around Israel and Palestine. It's too complex. Don't say anything. You don't have any information. You're not equipped, blah, 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 and other conflicts. Do you need to be an expert to engage? That's a yes, no? Yes or no. Do you need to be an expert to engage around complex issues that affect us all? So Ukraine is an issue that affected us all. Congo, whether or not the media is talking about it, is affecting us all. So is Sudan, so is Israel and Palestine. Do you need to be an expert to engage? Yes or no, Joe? No. Chris? No. Anna? Yes. Larry? No. Alicia? No. Oh, I love it, the sense. <laughs> <laughs> is that the first split? No, we've had a few. We've had a few ones. No, we've had a few. We've had a few. Not a solitary oh. separate view. We've um, got more than one. <laughs> it was it was Alicia's solitary, and she had to let, let the hat go. She was very disappointed that she had to agree. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> um, so, no, the dissents. I think for me, an expert is someone who takes the trouble to go and seek that information or make an attempt to learn and understand. Expert necessarily doesn't mean you have two PhDs from Oxford. Especially today when there is so much information available, you could take 30 minutes and read up what's online to see different points of view. And that is a pretty decent threshold. What is not okay is to speak about a topic and have a point of view about which you have zero clues. For example, there is Uyghurs in China. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uyghurs. Mm -hmm. Uyghurs, yeah. where they are systematically being wiped out because of the Chinese government policy. Now, on the face of it, all of us say, oh, that's horribly wrong. But beyond that, if you want to speak, I think you should read up. You should, if, if you're going to comment on something, you should take the trouble to read, to learn, to understand, and more importantly, listen. Because the best experts in the world listen and they learn from their own mistakes. Expert doesn't mean 100% right. Expert just means someone who's taken the trouble to learn. Okay, Joe. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I answered differently, but I don't actually disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. So I think, but maybe it's about the terminology and experts. Yeah. Because my view is, we don't have to be an expert to speak about something. If, we, if we're feeling that something coming up and it's important and relevant, I think it is our so duty to actually brilliant. become more knowledgeable. You don't have to be an expert, but you do, I think, owe the, the topic some, I suppose, respect of like Absolutely. trying to become knowledgeable. So that's not to me expertise, that is still, so I think for me, I would be like, do your work, do you, do you think self-reflection, do your research, be mindful about the impact of what you speak about. But none of those things are experts. Those are considered respectful citizens. So I coined them, so it, my terminology was different around expert. Mm. I think so as well. Like I, I agree with a lot of things that you said. I see an expert as someone, maybe an exaggerated view or someone that's been studying it for years, they're into it, they've probably gone to the country and spoken to people, like someone that's really engrossed in it. And I feel like, Instead of someone having to be an expert to speak about something, I think that they can they should be informed. Mm -hmm. Like I think to speak about something when you don't have any information is a bit wild, but have but be informed somewhat, whatever that means to you. I think that is important versus being an expert personally. Because I think also through having conversations through like with informed people, that's a way for you to learn more, that's a way for you to, you know, challenge anything that you b believe beforehand, and that's a way for you to gain more information anyway. So I think it's important to speak out and have that conversation and not stay silent. Chris? I, I, I fall on a I fall on a side predominantly with what Alicia and Joe were saying. Like you don't have to be you don't have to be an expert, but you definitely have to be informed and compassionate enough to mm. care. I think we live in a time where you know, the opinion has now evolved into the hot take and people are encouraged to just speak even if they're not informed. Again, I'm going to go to music. <laughs> this is what I understand. You have people talking about albums and music, about stuff that they weren't even alive to experience and I literally see history rewritten in my face. Um, a couple of weeks ago, so my wife is Middle Eastern, and I haven't commented on the Israel-Palestine situation because I woke up one day and I'm like, Chris, you don't know anything about this. I know what I felt mm -hmm. in the sense of, this feels wrong. 
people are dying. This ain't right. So I had to sit down with my wife and I said, can you explain to me in layman's terms what's going on here? And she took about 10, 15 minutes and she explained it to me in a way that I could understand. Then afterwards I went and I researched it. I find the problem what you have <coughs> with a lot of discussions and you know why I sometimes shy away from discussions like this is because I find people, some people are trying to prove that they know more than you mm-hmm. or they're trying to give you their opinion before explaining the situation. So you don't, uh, to, to answer your question, you don't, need to, you don't need to be an expert. An expert is subjective. Like Joe said, you know, an expert, or at least you're rather, um, some experts, you know, they've done the 10,000 hours <laughs> and gone to the country and they can speak the language and they've read the hieroglyphics carved in stone. <laughs> That's great and I support that. But you just have to be informed enough to care and the onus is on you as a person to find out the information and also be mindful of where you get the information from because this is the age of misinformation. I think conversations with people, I think that's the best way to learn and engage and just to be honest and say, look, I don't know. I care, but I don't know. And not all information, the academic and information is not necessarily more important than the emotional information mm. and I think you know expert implies it's an academic e- exercise mm. yeah and it's not I want to take it before you jump in the list I want Larry to, to, to come in yeah I believe it. every single word that Chris said um, I wasn't nodding all the way through because I was listening but I was nodding in my brain uh, all the way through that you don't have to be expert or it what's even worse is if you think you are because you've been on Google and you've read a few things and you you've think a you're an expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you assume you're an expert and then you express. Um, you, 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 the, you, what you need to do is be informed enough to have a really good conversation. But listen. Mm-hmm. Listening to what other people are telling you is what will eventually get you to be more expert. It won't be from reading social media or even the news because those are all written from slanted, biased viewpoints. You get a very different feeling from somebody when you have a proper human conversation where you are actually listening to the person's answers rather than just listening to the things which agree with what you believe and then jumping in and supporting mm. that bit but mm. forgetting to listen to the bit that was... And it's not Actually a competition. A bit of a challenge to what you were yeah. saying. It's I'm not sorry, a competition. I just want to just mm. finish with your thought. Uh, yes, I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't sorry. sure, but I think I am. <laughs> you looked like you were still going. Yeah, that's why I wanted to I can to always keep going. It's yeah. <laughs> your job to stop me. <laughs> right, sorry, it was just that point about the, the, uh, the um, expertise repl- implying it gets competitive especially intellectually, and it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be competitive. When we're talking about a lot of these issues, it's not a competition. It's not. Could I just add something to it? I think we're talking about topics which are very emotional. But how about topics which are really factional? You know, for example, healthcare. Mm. Uh, take an example of gender identity. Mm. Or take an example of, you know, you mentioned heliographics. You know, I definitely don't know more than someone who has two PhDs in heliographics mm. and can read a temple in Luxor. And that's where I think you should listen to an expert because I don't know what that stone tablet says. It might say washing powder, but I would have no clue. Uh, Take a thing with gender identity or even COVID. So much of what people's opinions were was overriding medical knowledge. Mm. Doctors all over the world, there was a strong lobby saying something, but the politicians override things. 
I think there is a room and a space for listening to experts. Mm -hmm. Agreed that might not be every single topic, but there is a, we need to give credit to people who actually mm -hmm. make it their life's worth to learn something about it. Yeah, so I think it's important not to conflate what my question is asking, which is being able to engage yeah. on the topic, yeah. not take your medical advice <laughs> because you're engaging with people on the topic, right? Like go yeah. to your GP. Um, <laughs> but in terms of engaging, because sometimes when we talk about discourse, is used as a silencing tactic. Mm -hmm. It's too complex, you're mm -hmm. not informed. But actually, whether I read two articles on Google, I have forms of you and I can express it. Or in some camps, no, you shouldn't be expressing it. Go do your 10,000 hours, mm -hmm. go travel to Palestine and then come back and tell me what you think. Yeah. And so there is space and a range um, mm -hmm. within that. But being able to have discourse, it's important because the next part of my question is usually there is a financial association with that. So you will hear people say, you should give to these causes, send money to these causes, send money to X. We want to make sure that you know people are taken care of, there are people who are dying, etc. Is there a connection between engaging on topics and your financial support of the topic? Is there a <laughs> Chris? I think we all need no. to take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> <This> is, <divine. laughs> is there a connection between engaging on the topic and your financial support of said topic? Is there a connection? Yes. Do you mean that if I were to engage in a topic, I would I automatically give five? It's how you. Not at this table. Hear no. the question and how you want to respond. Is to there a the connection? Question. No. No, says Anu. Is there a connection, Chris? No. Joe? Yes. Alicia? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a tough yes. It's a tough yes. And I love that. With the, that was like one of the few Joe's definitive yeses. <laughs> Um, Thank you so much. So, I Chef Karen, I'm going to give you uh, one second. Let's Chef Karen introduce <laughs> Anu. I'm so excited for this. Yes. And then I'll come to Joe. I'll be quick. This is our final course yes. of the of our meal. Chef Karen, over to you. Yeah. So you have apple pie. Mm -hmm. and custard. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So Thank, Thank you. Give um, thanks. Joe, <laughs> is there a connection? You said yes. Yes, because I think especially for people who look like me, mm -hmm. there's a real... If I look like you, just for accessibility perspective, you want to describe yes. look like you? Um, I am white. I am middle-aged. I don't know how... how mm -hmm. but, but people That's are, good enough. You know, um, there's, a, there's a lot of, like, saying the right things mm -hmm. and feeling like, and it can be very performative. Mm -hmm. So sure. I'm very keen to see people putting their money where their mouth is. So if you, have, if you want to have lots of views and you want to be seen to be being in a particular way, follow through with action. If you really believe in something, put your money where your mouth is. Okay, Alyssa, you said no. Mm. Well, there's, there's so many things that you can put money to. And I think it's unrealistic for us to say yes. Let's put money towards every single cause because that's not realistic, that's not practical. That's not what anybody does. So I think I would be lying if I said that conversation and our financial commitment aligns because it doesn't for anybody. I don't know anybody that, that, that it does with. I agree with what you're saying. I do think if you outwardly continuously have conversations around something, you put your money where your mouth is. But 
that's just not how the world is. That's not how things are. And me personally as well, I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that I care about, but sometimes life happens and you just forget to, to sign up for this cause and put money towards it because you had a conversation about it, it was emotional at the time, um, and then you kind of move on. I, I think we kind of saw it, for example, with Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. with the protests and all this uproar. And I'm here struggling to get companies to put on events for black professionals when you said that you're going to do all these things. So I think it's, it's difficult because commitment... And then when I have real conversations with these companies and say, you've made this commitment, I see the open letter where your name and your job title was signed. Why are you not committing? Our priorities have changed. You know, things because Chris left, he just did the, the website. <laughs> <laughs> Chris did the website. Chris just did the website. Yeah, <laughs> and priorities change and things shift. And now what's important to us is um, sustainability and the environment, or it could be now making profits, or we, we have to make a round of redundancy, so we can't afford to do this right now, listen. It's not a priority. So I think realistically, it's, it's just not a realistic commitment. Chris? The reason why I say is there's no connection between <coughs> your cause or your your passion or an issue financially is because there are other ways that you can show your support outside of finance. So whilst you may not necessarily be dipping your hands in your pocket and putting £10 in the collection bowl, you could be giving your time mentoring or making recommendations or there's just so many other... Currency isn't always financial. Mm. There's Mm. other types Mm. of currency. So, you know, for example, in recent years, there's been, and rightfully so, you know, discussions around supporting women in the workplace. Um, them getting promoted, particularly, I work in the creative industries and there's so many women that I, think I can't find a way in. So I may not necessarily have taken money out of my pocket, but I've done workshops. Mm. I've mentored young women and say, hey, this is the mis- these are the mistakes I've made. Um, it's just been Black History Month saluting our sisters, right? That's the theme. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with two young black women on, on their podcast and produce for them. So whilst I might not necessarily be saying, here you go, but I'll be in the studio with you, saying, look, this is how you say it, this is what you need to do, here's some tips and advice. So that's why I think there's no, there's no correlation. But also, financial support at some point, I think, matters. It def- you can't, the, the revolution isn't free, it needs funding. So whilst it might not be televised, someone's got to pay for the antenna, <laughs> <isn't it>? so, <laughs> Yeah, see, there is, there is some connection at some point, but I, don't, I think you can care without necessarily being financially without financially contributing. However, I do look at people sideways who just talk mm-hmm. and don't contribute at all. I don't want to hear from you. Your, t- <laughs> your time is money. Yeah, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> no, I'm cool. Uh, I think I agree with both Alicia and Chris here. A, uh, I'm a mother of a growing child. I have no money. <laughs> I'm raising a child in the city and I don't think I'm the only one. Mm. Families around this country are struggling. Mm. So. And I speak for families and I speak for mothers. I'm not speaking about large organizations. I know Elysia, you mentioned people sponsoring events, but I can speak from my perspective. We have no money today, a parent or someone who is responsible for a couple of mouths to feed. So that's one. B, uh, I find it really harsh when, you know, someone says, I'm running a marathon to support this heart hospital. Crack on, run it. But that's not on my priority list. As much as I want (laughs) hospitals to do well, You know, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Third, to what point Chris made, I contribute in other ways. So I run a Santa event in our community for kids who are from refugee or vulnerable backgrounds. I give weeks and weeks and months for it. I don't give a single penny. 
simply because I can't afford it, but I do everything. But asking people, but to the last point Chris made, if you were to be someone in a position to contribute in any ways, money or effort or whatever, but your actions don't match your words, then I think that's wrong. And Larry, you are our last dissenter. And it was a close. It was very close. Mm. Um, us through it. Absolutely get what Chris was saying about it's more than just money. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. So um, I, I mentor Bain kids down at kids up to the age of 21, 22, <laughs> you know what I mean? Down in Bath University. Uh, they, are, uh, they are gold students, which means single, normally single mothers, sadly, uh, but total income coming into the house, 25 grand a year. So very, they haven't, got, they haven't got much money. Just a point of clarity for those who don't know, BAME, the acronym is Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So do I give money to Bath University? No, because they've got enough money. What I give is my time, like you are, Chris, to help some of the kids there who otherwise haven't got any role models mm -hmm. in their family. So that's the best way I can give them value. But, um, all of us choose how to, but charity giving is one thing, where our money goes is another. So I try to invest in things which are not doing harm to the planet. Mm -hmm. The reason it was a really hard call in terms of do I go yes or no, is some of the things I thought I was investing in because they were good for the planet, you then find out aren't very good for the planet at all. Yeah. So, you know, investing <coughs> in renewable energies, uh, electric batteries, when they're digging up nickel and lithium from poor Can't African go. nations, <laughs> yeah. uh, and some of them war-torn parts of the world, you go, hang on a minute, I'm trying to let my money go where my mouth is, but it's really, really hard when you look at these sorts of in investing into, into um, organisations or, or uh, in investments that are trying to do good for the planet. Uh, and then there's the, in the absence of maybe a lot of government support for some of the charitable ventures, an incessant demand. And those of us that have got lots and lots of LinkedIn co uh, connections know every five <laughs> minutes there's somebody asking for money and all of these things are really important, mm. but you cannot possibly uh, support them all, which is your point yeah. there. Mm. Uh, but generally, I think it, it behoves us to try to make sure we're doing some good with our money that supports the things that are valuable and important to us and in the direction we want the planet to go. But it's made very difficult when those are not 100% good or bad potential choices. Thank you for breaking bread with us. It was a pleasure to have you as my virtual dinner guest. Breaking Bread is available where all digital streaming platforms are available. You, you can are. also subscribe on YouTube and don't forget to follow, turn on your notifications, and looking forward to the next time we break bread together. Food for the hungry mind. Gather round for some healthy conversation and a great spread You heard what they said, we're here to break bread Fill up your glasses fast and take it to your heads Then fill your belly with some hearty laughter that can wake the dead Can see from the golden brain of Sabrina Clark She had a vision, it was lit and then we've seen the spark And feeding minds became a fixture Now we're bringing back the art of conversation